All right, I'm so privileged to be up here today to preach, and we're in this sermon series called Greater. Yes, and so far we've taught on how God is greater than all other power. And by the way, however great you think God is, he's way greater than what you can think. He's far greater than your ability to understand. But the great thing is we can grow in our knowledge and understanding of the greatness of God. Pastor Deb taught us on greater blessings, and I taught on levels of faith and how to have greater faith. And last week I taught on greater glory, and in that sermon I compared the old covenant under the the law of Moses and the new covenant based on grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw how the new covenant is is so much better and greater than the old. And today I'm preaching a sermon entitled Greater Grace. Just like there's levels of faith we can walk in, there's, there's levels of grace available to us. And, and I was in here last night. I come up here on Saturdays, and um, I, I check the church out, make sure everything's okay, and, and I, I, I pray through the, the building. And, and as I was walking down this aisle and praying, I saw that sign there, grace, because I thought, well, I'm preaching on greater grace. And I haven't paid much attention to that sign since we designed it many years ago. Uh, but, but the one scripture there on the right panel is 2 Timothy 2.1. This one wasn't part of my sermon, but I just saw this last night. It says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Some translations say, be strong in the grace that is through Christ Jesus. And, but however you look at it, strength comes from the grace of God. And you need to be strong in your understanding of the grace of God. And the greater understanding you have of God's grace, the greater uh, experience you will have of God's grace. And now, and you, you might think that your first experience ever with the grace of God was when you got saved, saving grace. But there is a grace that comes before saving grace. It's called prevenient grace. You may not have ever heard this word. We don't usually use the word prevenient. The word prevenient means something that incurs in advance of something else, something that occurs before something else. And I was trying to think of a way to illustrate it, and I thought of this. I thought of that today we have two championship football games, the AFC championship and the NFC championship, right? Well, the championship game is prevenient, to the Super Bowl. You've got to win here to win there. This comes before that. So if the Dallas Cowboys are ever going to win a Super Bowl, they must win a prevenient game in the playoffs at some point within the next couple of decades. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to win a wild card game or, or something like that but to move on to a championship before you get to the Super Bowl because that comes before. So you understand prevenient? So prevenient grace is the grace that draws us to God. It comes before saving grace. Listen, you might know this, not know this, but apart from the grace of God, you would never come to God. Left to yourself, you would never come to God. 
Left to yourself, you believe in yourself and, and believe in something else other than, than God. But prevenient grace is that which draws you to God. And without it, you would never be drawn to God. You would never believe in Jesus. You would never accept his offer of, of saving grace. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. God didn't save you because you were so great. God didn't save you because you were so lovable or so worthy. He saved you because you were dead in your sins. And you needed a Savior or you would be lost forever. It is by grace you have been saved. Grace comes to us before we can go to God. God's grace draws us to himself. He is the initiator. Even our desire for him is from him. And our search for God is really us responding to him drawing us to himself. Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one, can you say no one? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him to me. Nobody, nobody can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. And some people think, well, that's not fair that only those who draw, God draws can come to Jesus. But Jesus said in John 12, 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, uh, he, he, he drew men to himself, and he is to this day drawing people to himself. Does everybody respond to God's drawing and come to Jesus? No. And contrary to what Calvinists teach, people can resist the grace of God. But 1 Timothy 2.4 says this, God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Are all people saved? No. Don't blame God for that. Titus 2.11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. I'm giving you several scriptures here. I know it may seem redundant, but I want you to understand it helps you when people ask questions like, Well, what about the people that never heard about Jesus? Can they be saved? Let me tell you, you can be sure that somehow, some way, God has shown his grace to people in order to draw him, them to himself. And if they respond to the grace, if they respond to the light God gives them, he will give them more. But if they reject it, they reject God and, and his ways. They can either accept it or reject it, but that's on them. Listen to Romans 1, 16 through 20. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know, listen, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
I know people want to ask you trick questions and make it seem like God's not fair or God's not loving or God's not kind or God's sending all these people off to hell and they never really even had a chance. Listen, everybody's got a chance. I call it the Cornelius principle. In the book of Acts, Cornelius was, was a Gentile, but he did not know God. He did not follow God. Like, like He just kind of had a belief in God, but he didn't really uh, follow the way of God. But he helped out the Jewish people and, the, and, and, and they began to pray for him and he he began to seek after God. God gave Peter a dream because Peter never dreamed, thought in his life he would ever go to a Gentile with the message of, of Jesus. They thought it was just for the Jewish people. God had to give him a dream, send angels, do all these things to get him to go to preach the good news to Cornelius. My point, and Cornelius got saved in his household. My point is if somebody starts responding to the light of God and the grace of God, God will make sure that the word of truth gets to them. So don't let somebody trip you up with some fake trick question about what about these people over there somewhere somewhere that never heard of Jesus listen they've got the light God reveals himself to them and if they respond to it he will send them more light the provenient grace of God appears to everyone everywhere no matter where they are and they can either respond to God's grace uh, uh, or they can reject it John 1, 9 through 12 says this about the birth and ministry of Christ. The true life that gives light to everyone was coming into this world, talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Isn't that interesting? Though he made the world, and he came into the world, and the world didn't even recognize him. He came to his own people. His own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You must receive him as Lord and Savior. And when you believe and you receive him, you have the right to become children of God. God's light, God's truth shines to all men. And they can either walk in the light and get more light, or they can continue to walk in darkness. That's their choice. But if they do respond to the light of God's prevenient grace, they receive greater grace, which is saving grace. John 1.14 says, The Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. That means he was, his grace was complete, lacking nothing, perfect. When he says he's full of grace, it means he's the source of grace and he is the, the giver of grace. So provenient grace includes God drawing us to himself, God convicting us of our sin and our need for him, God opening our eyes to the truth of our own sinfulness, opening our eyes to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross, and then drawing us to the saving power of Jesus of Jesus Christ. Provenient grace prepares us for saving grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen to me. Everything you receive from God is by grace through faith. I've told you this before. Don't ever ask God for what you deserve. Because we all, we all deserve to die and go to eternal hell on our own. But, but by God's richness of grace and mercy, he sent his son to die in our place to save us. Not because we deserve it, 
but because God loved us and because he sent his grace to us. It's by grace through faith. And this not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Look how great I am. God saved me. No, God saved you because how bad you are. How messed up you are. How sinful you are. Jesus said, I, I didn't, this, you know, the, the doctor, he, he's not here for well people. He's here for sick people. He said, I, I, I didn't come for the righteous. You're self-righteous. He's talking to self-righteous people. You think you're righteous? Hey, go, you think you're good enough on your own? Go ahead, go on that path. But I came to sinners who know they need help. They need a Savior. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament, said, I don't want to stand in front of God someday having a righteousness that is my own. You put up what you've done up against what Paul's done. And Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm not going to stand up there on my own and say I'm good enough. All these people that say, oh, I'm good with God. You're good with God? How are you good with God? Well, you know, I do this and I do that. Now, listen, all your goodness together is filthy in the sight of God. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short. That's why God sent his son. You missed the whole point of it. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so that you can be forgiven by the grace of God. So saving grace is what we receive when we respond to God's prevenient grace. Saving grace is the result of repenting from sin and placing your faith in the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that results in the forgiveness of sin and God's gracious gift of new life. When we're born again, we are reconciled to God. We're adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of the Most High God. But saving grace is still not the end of grace. As children of God, we now must grow in the grace of God. 2 Peter 3.18 tells us, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growing in grace is called sanctifying grace. It's the gracious process of being made holy, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, being made like Christ. That's God's destiny according to Romans 8, 28, 29. It's God's purpose for us to be, to be like Christ. And that only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by trying harder. It's the Spirit of God that enables us to increase in the knowledge of God and the love of God and the understanding of the grace of God. And grace involves both a gift and a response response. Our identity as children of God is God's gift to us, but living in this world as redeemed children of God is our gift to him. Saving grace reconciles us to God, incorporates us into the body of Christ, and sets us on this journey of wholeness and holiness. It continually forms us into the likeness of Christ and enables us to love others with the love of God, because as many people, you can never love on your own. Growing in grace is not something we can do in our own strength. Becoming mature believers is not something we can do in our own strength. The one who invites us on this journey towards a fullness of grace is the one who is with us. He accompanies us, and he provides us with the means which we can grow in grace. Growing in grace means we experience greater grace. How do we grow in grace? We see how in Ephesians 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. By the way, I've taught you this before. There's only two things you ever really pray for. Grace or mercy. You either pray 
I pray for mercy, God, don't give me what I deserve. Or you're praying for grace. God, I'm asking for something. I really don't deserve it, but I'm asking this from you. You come to the throne of grace for mercy and grace in time of need. And grace grows by spending time in the presence of God. Grace grows by spending time in prayer. Grace grows by spending time in worship. Grace grows by spending time in the word of God. Acts 2, 20, 38 says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. By spending time in the word, God's word is the word of grace. People think it's just a legalistic rule book. No, you don't understand it. That's just a devil lying to you and blinding you so you'll always have an excuse to not deal with your own sin and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But God wants to open your eyes to see that this book is the word of grace that is God's grace and God's love and God's mercy to God's to you. And greater grace and includes us uh, this journey from prevenient grace to saving grace to sanctifying grace. Now I want to talk to you about three expressions of God's grace. The most common definition of grace is this, God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Unmerited means undeserved, unearned. Grace means you get something you do not deserve. What an awesome thought. You don't have to earn anything from God. In fact, you cannot. So stop trying. That's why you end up under condemnation because your eyes are on yourself and what you're doing and what you're trying to do to make yourself right with God. You need a greater understanding of grace. That's showing you you don't understand the power of grace if you're living that way because your eyes are all on you. And all, as long as your eyes are on you, you'll never have an understanding of, of grace. You can't earn anything from God. Grace is a gift. People, people don't, a lot of people just don't understand it. They keep saying, but I, I, I just don't deserve it. Of course you don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. Once you start talking about what you deserve, you are out of the realm of grace and you are into the realm of works. And so many of you live there with this performance orientation, always beat up and beat down because you're always trying harder and never do it, making it because you don't really have an understanding of God's grace to you. Romans eleven six says this, if it's by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it's of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer works. In other words, works and grace are, are exclu exclusive. Salvation is either by grace or it's by works. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. None of us can earn our way to heaven. But thank God for God's grace, God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Can you thank God for that today? The second expression, grace, is also God's unconditional love. God loves you without condition. There's nothing you can do to earn it. God loves you without limit. There's no end to it. You cannot earn the love of God, nor can you unearn it. He loves you, and his love for you will never change, no matter what you do. Romans 8, 31 through 32 says, If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely means graciously, without cost, unconditional. That means you can do nothing to make God love you any more than he does, and you can, make, you can do nothing to make God stop loving you. His love for you will never change. 
that kind of grace, that, that kind of love, it, it's so um, amazing. You, you won't find it anywhere else. Christianity is the only religion, and this, it makes us different from all religion because every other religion is somehow based on people earning their salvation. It's based on some kind of works. Keep these laws, keep these commandments, do this or do that, and, and you, will, you will get to heaven. Christianity is the one who says, you know what? You can't do enough to get to heaven. You will never be good enough on your own to, to get to heaven. There's only one way for you to get to heaven. You are saved by grace and grace alone, and you've got to come to the end of yourself and totally place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. May God give you today a greater revelation of the grace of God and God's love for you. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's unconditional love. Now listen, grace is God's unlimited power. A lot of people don't think about grace in terms of power, but I'm going to prove it to you today from the scripture. In 2 Corinthians 12, Apostle Paul tells us how he was caught up into heaven and God gave him visions and revelations that were so great he couldn't even speak about them. There's several times in the Bible, they're a little bit frustrating to me where Paul would say something like, I wish I could tell you more, but you wouldn't even understand it. I'm like, well, give me a try, man. Come on. Just. But in verses 7 9 through 9, he said this, To keep me from becoming exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, this wasn't in my sermon, but let me just say it right here. Because people speculate on what that is. In fact, I was kind of shocked in some of my reading this week, some of my study this week, because I always look these verses up in a lot of different translations. And you can look it up in a lot of modern translations, and it will say, so that I would not be exalted, God gave me a physical handicap. God gave me a a, a disease. God gave me a physical illness. There are translations out right now that say that. The Bible does not say that. It says a messenger of Satan. So I'm like, okay, let me look it up. I look it up in the original Greek. Messenger is angelos, which is angel. There are angels and there are fallen angels. A messenger of Satan is a fallen angel. We call them demons. There was a demon that, that was attached, that attacked Paul. You look at Paul, wherever he went, he was harassed. He was attacked. He was stoned. He was, I mean, people had to let him down by a basket out of the wall of the city before somebody killed him. He was constantly under some kind of harassment and, and, and attack. It was a messenger of Satan to come against him. That's what it says. People can make up stuff, but that's not what the Bible says. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He didn't say I prayed three times that I might get healed. He said I prayed three times that it might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most most gladly, I would rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of God may rest upon me. Three times Paul prayed and asked God to take the thorn away, and God answered his prayer, and God's answer was no. I've had people tell me, God doesn't answer my prayers, to which I say, that's not true. God answers every prayer. You just don't like God's answer. Because you think God's only possible answer is yes. 
Whatever you say, my child, whatever you want. Sometimes God says, no. Sometimes God says, wait, not yet, not now. But he always answers. The main thing I want you to see here is that God told the apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice that God equates his grace with his power, with his strength. According to Strong's Concordance, one of the meanings of grace is divine influence or power on the heart and the life. There's many Bible verses teaching us that grace is the power of God. One of my favorites is 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Listen, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was working with me. In other words, any, there's times we must work, obviously, and there's things we must do. But it's by the grace of God that anything gets accomplished. James 4, 6 in the Amplified Version says, He gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit. The main thing I want you to understand is this. God's grace is his unmerited favor. It's his unconditional love, and it's his unlimited foul power. And God says, my grace is sufficient. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, sufficient has two main meanings, to be possessed of unfailing strength and to be enough. So God's grace is God's power, and God's power is always enough. God's grace is always enough. God's grace is the power of God to draw us, to save us, to sanctify us. God's grace is the the power to get us through whatever we go through. That's the message of Paul. And no matter what difficulties you're facing right now, God's grace will always be enough. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound to every good work. That is the grace of God. If you need financial help, you, you, God's grace is enough. If you need healing, His grace is sufficient. If you, if you need help in a relationship, call on the grace of God because it is the power and that power is enough. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at you or the world throws at you because God's grace will always be enough. It's enough when you're on a mountain. It's enough when you're in a valley. It's enough when you're flowing in the river of God. It's enough when you feel like like you're out in the middle of a dry, barren desert. His grace is enough whether his answer is yes, no, or wait. No matter what, God's grace is always enough. Can you thank him for that today? So if you feel like it's not enough, you need a greater revelation of the grace of God. And we think always that God's grace is the power to save us from things, but sometimes it's the grace, as in Paul's situation, to get us through things. God's grace is going to bring you through whatever you go through in life. Romans 5.17 tells us, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of God's grace, for you to reign in life. So I want to ask you today, have you experienced the power of God's grace? Has his grace saved you? Is his grace sanctifying you? Is his grace getting you through the tough times? And are you reigning in life or is life reigning over you? 
Because if it, life is reigning over you rather than you reigning in life, God, there's more of God's abundant provision of grace that you are yet to experience. And I encourage you to call on God. Go to him boldly to his throne of grace and for a time of need and cry out for more of his grace. You may have experienced a measure of the grace of God, and I'm sure you have, but there's always more of God's grace to experience. James 4, 6 says he gives more grace. That's why the scripture said God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The proud are those like, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I can make it. The humble say, no, I can't do it on my own. I do need God. And so, God, I cry out for your help. You see, faith changes things, but grace changes people. Faith changes circumstances, but grace changes character. And we receive more of the grace of God when we approach him with humility. When we give up trusting in ourselves and place our faith in him and in him alone. We're saved by grace plus nothing. Romans 5.2 tells us we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It's faith that gets you into the power of God's grace. God's grace is free, but you've got to believe it and you've got to receive it. And just like salvation is a free gift, not everyone is saved. And so only those who believe in Christ, they are the ones who receive the free gift of salvation by grace. Now, I hold up in my hand a $10 bill. And I will give it to the first person who comes up here and takes it. It's not a trick. I'm going to stand here until y'all, y'all, y'all. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Man, I was about to get out of her way. Christian, you missed out, my bro. What did they have to do to earn that gift? They just believed what I said and received what I had to give. Believed what I said and received what I had to give. And God is standing here today, in in here today with with gifts for everyone. Not five bucks, not $500, not $5 billion, but something worth much more. Forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, all by the grace of God. Freedom, healing, deliverance, restoration, all by the grace of God. Peace, joy, love, uh, all by, by the grace of God. Romans 5, 15 through 16 says, For though the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater, God's wonderful grace and gift of forgiveness abounded to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. Greater grace is not a different kind of grace. It's, a, it's more grace, a, a bigger quantity of grace. And listen, the devil wants you to think that your sin is too big for the grace of God. That is such a lie that so many people believe. Well, I've done too much. I've done it too many times. I promised God I'd never do it again, and here I am again. This is just too much for God's grace. Really? Man, what kind of messed up, false humility is that? Some kind of pride, actually, that my sin is too big for God. Really? Wow. Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. I love the Amplified Version. It says, where sin increased and abounded grace, God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased more, and listen, super abounded. I love that. 
Your sin abounded? Well, okay, God says, I can, I'll trump that. I, my grace will superabound what, what you did. I love that. Uh, we might sin sometimes, and our sin might have been abundant, but God's grace is superabundant. God's grace is greater. It's superabundant for everything that you will ever have to face. God's face is, <laughs> grace is superabundant. It is greater. God's grace saves us from sin, but his greater grace saves us from the shame of sin. God's grace imparts the Holy Spirit to us when we're born again. His greater grace baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and power. God's grace saves us from stinginess, and God's greater grace makes us generous givers. God's grace saves us from anxiety and fear, but his greater grace causes us to be bold in our faith. God's grace saves us from ungratefulness, but greater grace causes us to be passionate praisers and worshiping warriors. God's grace sets us free from addictions and strongholds, but his greater grace empowers us to set other people free from their addiction and their strongholds. Thank God for grace and thank God for greater grace. So today at the end of this service, we're going to do what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16. Come boldly to the throne of grace so that you can obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. In a minute, we're going to open up this altar for anyone who has any need to come boldly to the throne of grace in a time of need. God gives grace to the humble and the bold. God's grace is drawing you right now. If you've never been born again through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's prevenient grace is drawing you to his saving grace. If you have been saved and born again, you're a follower of Christ. His sanctifying grace is drawing you to a greater consecration, a greater holiness, a greater maturity. Everything you receive from God is by grace, through faith. Greater grace is always available to you and it's available to you right now. All you've got to do is believe what God said. Come up here and receive what he has to give you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up front. I don't know where you're at in life or what you're going through. But wherever you at, you're at, there's something in this message that was for you. You're somewhere in that journey. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, or if you've gotten away and you need to get back, today is the day of salvation. He's drawing you. Lord, I ask you right now to draw people by your spirit. Draw the lost. Lord, by your grace, draw them unto yourself. Let them see that they need you more than anything else. For those who have been born again, but they, they, they know they, they, they need to be sanctified. They, they're, they're messing with some things that, that they know they need to stop messing with and, and to get it right with God. Lord, I, I pray that you would draw them to that greater sanctification and consecration. For those who are stuck and, and not growing, I, I pray that they would understand the greater grace that would help them mature in Christ. God, let them have an understanding of your undeserved favor your unconditional love, and your unlimited power. Whatever you need as we stand, whatever you need, if you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you right now and see the hand of God move in your life. We would love to see you get what God has for you just as they ran down this aisle. Some people need to be running down this aisle and say, I want what God wants. It's way bigger than $10. I want what God has for me. Come on down, come on down, come on down. We got more people over here that can pray. And if we, we run out of room, we got more people that can pray. Come on, come on down, come on down. I, I, I believe in God to do some work in some people's lives today. God is drawing people today by his spirit in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for being here today. 
We'll be back here Wednesday night at 7 for our grace groups. We're going to sing one more song and we'll be dismissed. <laughs>